It's another Sunday Night in Comedy, and tonight we're rolling deep on New York stand-up. Tonight on the panel, we go one-on-one with two absolute heavyweights. Featuring Sal Volcano and Dan Notterman, we're talking stand-up specials, podcast networks, late-night TV, and the state of the New York scene. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming everywhere on Tay Internets on Global News Online, coast to coast across Canada, North America. All of the planet Earth, you can listen to us on Global News Online. And as always, brought to you by our lovely friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. I am losing my voice. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I have the the Rona once again. Who knows? But tonight, I have our producer, Vince Desco on the line. And tonight, Vince, we are going New York. It is all about the New York stand-up scene. We have two absolute OG crowd killers on the show tonight, and it is all about NYC, baby. NYC is the place to be. Dean, you know it's a microphone. Eh? You don't have to yell. I know. it's. I, I bring <laughs> I bring I bring the, the, the ruckus. Yes, you do bring the but for some, well, some, some Wu-Tang. Since we're talking New York, I bring the ruckus. I know. Uh, you hear yourself. It's a microphone. Don't well, worry. I am very excited, though, Vince. It is all New York tonight. Uh, we have two comics who, one of them is like an old school touring club comic who has appeared on pretty much the entire gambit of every single late show. That's Dan Natterman. You're going to be talking to him. And we also have Sal Volcano, who uh, he's built a mass audience with his podcast network. He kind of, this guy's spinning a lot of plates. Uh, He's coming to Toronto live at the Queen Elizabeth Theater coming up. Uh, A lot of our listeners also might know him as from the cast of Impractical Jokers, which has been going strong since 2011, which I'm going to talk to him about that. That is a pretty long shelf life for a comedy series, a, a prank comedy series like that. It's all New York, Vince. All New York. Before I woke up this morning to come on the air and realized I was in the middle of puberty, apparently, I was going <laughs> to maybe sing a little Alicia Keys. Let's tr- I was going to do a little, in New York, concrete jungle where dreams are better, like that, you know? But I mean, I'm, I don't know what's going on with the voice. Ben. <laughs> I, I wouldn't quit your day job or this the job. World needs, the job to the world needs these velvety Dean Young pipes. There you go. But that's it, Vince. Huge panel, huge show. We've got Sal Volcano. We've got Dan Natterman. All about New York. It is a stacked panel right here. Let's get into it right here on Inside Jokes. Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto and, of course, coast to coast on the Global News Radio Network. We are talking all things New York comedy tonight. First up on the panel, we have the one and only Sal Volcano, who, I mean, this guy's got a lot on the go. He's coming here. He's going to be live in Toronto at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre coming up. He's also doing a couple of shows in The Hammer, which we were just telling him before the show is definitely Canada's version of New Jersey. He asked (laughs) if that's a good or a bad thing. I think you go there and decide, but our listeners will know Sal Volcano. I mean, he's running the, he runs a podcast network. He also, a lot of our listeners will also know him as one of the cast members from Impractical Jokers, which 
has been going strong since 2011, which that is quite the shelf life for a comedy show. Uh, Sal is on the air. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, and thank you guys for a nice introduction. Dean, you're one of the first people, I swear to you, that pronounced my last name correctly. Really? What do people always go? <laughs> in, in in 15 years of being in the public, they say, well, I just accept it. You know, I don't ever correct anyone, but they say Volcano and Volcano. I pronounce it Volcano, and I, I'm telling you, you're one of maybe 100 out of 100 that do that. I was like, really? wow. Oh, well. You don't mess around in Canadian radio, Sal, you know? <laughs> yeah. That and Vince makes sure he always books Italian people on this show. So I have no choice but to know the pronunciations really well after seven seasons of this. Uh, but it is exciting. I mean, I know you've, you've been to Toronto before. You've gigged here before, but you're going to be at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre coming up. I mean, you're a busy dude. You have a lot on the go. Uh, one thing, uh, again, a lot of our audience does does probably know you best from Impractical Jokers and people sure. who understand up as well. But of course, you're also running the podcast network. And that's the curious thing for me, because I mean, a lot of comics, you know, have sort of used podcasting as this calling card and this new way to sort of reach a different audience. And especially after the last couple of years, obviously, because everybody was at home streaming stuff and listening to content and tuning into there's kind of a whole new audience in podcasts that came out for you as a comic i mean how much of a different animal is that when you're on the podcast and we're on the air how different is that from the sal that we get on stage because obviously we are on stage you're sort of like a dialed up version of yourself it's sort of you're kind of a you know every stand-up is kind of a caricature of themselves in a way sure. you're stepping into this thing i feel like a lot of comics like podcasting because you kind of get to strip that away and just be sort of raw and real with your audience in a way that you kind of don't do in your material yeah absolutely i mean I get, I get the biggest comment I get on the podcasting is for people that love the show and they're like, it's so different and, and interesting to see you speak freeform for a couple of hours instead of just being, you know, on those little snippets on the show, we really get to know you. They get to know me a lot because it's been an on, the show's been on so long. Yeah. But um, definitely just to get into like, the, you know, the podcast, I kind of, it depends on the day you'll catch us on the podcast because like, I'm sure I'm playing a heightened version of myself on that too. And yeah. like, I don't know, just, you know, we're there to, to, to mostly just like get laughs. So me and Chris, are, and, and I do another one with a com comedian named Joe DeRosa uh, about we fight over food. Um, so <laughs> it all came out of the pandemic because I wasn't touring and uh, Joe and, and Chris, they, we tour together and they're two of my best friends. We've always talked about doing a podcast. I'm like, let me do something that'll, you know, keep my creativeness going get a revenue stream in here and, you know, maybe get a new audience. So I started two and then we were like, why don't we just start a network and we're going to start showing some comedy specials on it now and stuff. And yeah, so it's, it's been great. So I guess I can kind of, am more like, you know, I mean, it's hours of conversation. So it's definitely learned more about me kind of thing, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, we are, if you watch the podcast at all, I mean, we are a bit extra on it. Well, and it's kind of fun too because I, you know, and it's it's funny when you when you are listening to comics doing podcasts, you can always tell when somebody's not having a conversation. They're all of a sudden like doing a bit. They're like workshopping a bit without even realizing it. But I think for audiences, it's it's cool too because people who are fans of your standup and people who have seen you on stage and seen you on TV, they're kind of getting it's it. People get kind of a glimpse inside the green room because comics love yeah. hanging out with other comics and just talking shop and just riffing off each other and just because you're all wired the same, you have to be around each other. So it's kind of podcasting in that way gives audiences a chance to sort of step into that and be behind the scenes with you guys a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, 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 we you know, I, I wonder if, I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm sure that like conversations we've had over the last like two years in the podcast have actually in, inadvertently, but have become bits on stage because we hit something that's really funny or a story we've never told each other. And I'm like, have you, have you done that on stage yet? And then we'll be like, no. And then like, you know, all of a sudden it's in the, it's in the, so it's a good way to create, you know, material too, just shooting the shit with your comedian friends for a couple hours. You know, that's exactly that's exactly it. If you're, you're right. Like comics always want to hang out with other, like if I'm at like a wedding or something, like I'll try to find the other comics or something. You know what I mean? It's just like, you just kind of like, you know, all right, let's find, let's find someone that we could just make fun of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's the Island of Misfit Toys, right? Like that's what yeah. we were talking to so many comics this summer when, when just for laughs returned to Montreal, everybody was like, you know, the last couple of years when everything was sort of up and down, Yes, people were gigging and doing stuff online and all that. But the one thing that people missed the most was just being able to be at a fest and hang out with other comics and bullshit each other. You know, it's just you got to be around your own kind. Do you think, too, like after, you know, we've 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 had a period now where so many people were at home, you know, downloading albums, watching new specials, listening to podcasts, streaming stuff. I feel like there's almost going to be this sort of resurgence in a way where we're going to see a lot of new audiences coming out to live stand-up that maybe that that didn't do that before. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I watched all these specials and I started listening to this comic on this podcast. I want to go out and watch live shows now. I mean, I hope that's the case. And I think we've been seeing it as well. I think we've already proven it. We, I, that wasn't the intention when I first started, but once you kind of make a mark and like, you know, there's like, this is kind of like a, this, this nucleus of podcasts, comedy podcasts on the East and West coast here. And like, you know, they're the big ones. And it's kind of like, it's weird. They all have each other as guests, especially LA. They did that. Well, they're really popular out there and they all feed into each other. And there's like maybe 10 podcasts out that are so popular and they're all just guests on each other's and kind of glean each other's audiences. New York is not as not as prominent in the podcast space, but like we have some big ones. So we just when we started doing ours, it kind of like, you know, and nothing was going on. It was like it made a splash. And then we kind of ingratiated ourselves into that kind of into that world. And so we've gotten other podcasts fans. Yeah. Ours. And then you kind of see that because I could tell when I'm doing comedy or when I'm on stage or when I meet people like who's a fan of me from jokers, who's a fan of me from this or this or this. And I have seen that like the podcast audience is a loyal audience, man. That's, I used to do a podcast with my buddy, Brian Quinn, who's uh, one of the guys on the impractical jokers. Yeah. He started in 2013 and it was like that, that audience was as loyal, if not more fiercely loyal than even the television audience. Cause it's just an engaged listener. They're really opting in to be like, I'm going to stop and listen to you for an hour. You know what I mean? It's not even like, it's like the show is like, all right, it's half hour commercials. It's all different things going on. It's like not that granular, but like that the podcast audience are like, it's, it's the move. If you're a comic right now, it's, it's, it's the move. You gotta, that's how your audience can, can find you, you know, especially with clips and stuff online. Going, I'm all of a sudden I'm giving like a comedy, a podcast workshop all of a sudden on this (laughs) (laughs) guys, jot this down. Uh, (laughs) Do you have a favorite guest on the podcast or type of guest? Like is somebody sticking um, out of your brain? Like, oh, I loved when he came on or she came on or don't do one of those I mean, kind of I, stick out. Yeah, I mean, so we have, we, you know, what it is. All the all the all of our guests are comics and friends from New York, so they all contribute in a different way. We recently I had Stavros uh, on. A, a, I don't know if you know Stav. He's a I, Greek yeah. comic. 
He's really funny. He was a blast. Ian Fidance, uh, buddy, was a blast. Whenever DeRosa comes on, I don't know if you guys know uh, the Taste Buds. I do a one called Hey Babe with Stefano. Right, yeah. And yeah, that's like just two, two washwomen shooting the shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about everything. And then Joe, my buddy Joe, he's just a person that can, that can and will argue exhaustingly about every single thing in like real life. And it's exhausting, but you love him for who he is. And we would fight. We would have intense fights over food, like in, like screaming at each other. And uh, we're like, why don't we just record this? Like one, I remember one time it almost came to blows. We were on vacation and we got into such a fight over like what's better an Oreo versus a Chips Ahoy. And there was a bunch of other comics around. We were on a cruise. And like, I don't know if you guys know Bobby Kelly. I don't no, know yeah. Him. Had him on not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, the legend. So it was a bunch of comics. Bobby got, and everyone just screaming. And it was like, it was like eight people just like screaming. I'm like, everyone is fighting over such bullshit nowadays. I want to fight. I want that same intensity. I want to turn it into like bagels. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started this podcast and we we literally get beat red screaming at each other over like m&ms and stuff and people just love it because they just like finally just yell at each other over something besides you know the world news it is it, well it is funny too because you can go so specific on podcasts you can go so niche with it and there's an audience for it i'll tell you another good good, good couple of guests i don't know if you know these guys yet they're newer but they really are making a mark they're um Foley and Kevin Ryan, H. Foley and Kevin Ryan of the Are You Are You Garbage podcast. Have you heard of them? Oh, okay. No, I mean, don't know guys, I would tell I would if I can give you a rec, I would check out their podcast. It's awesome. It's awesome. Are you garbage? Two uh, younger comics from New York, and uh their podcast out of New York is like the most fun one to do. And we had them on, and they're just two great guys. They're Philly guys. Um, and they're just uh really fun. And the the, the concept of their podcast is I'll uh, give them a shout out. Um they have a guest on, they interview the guest and they give them a series of questions over the course of an hour, all basically a litmus test on how yep. big, how big a piece of garbage you might be. You know, it's just, the questions are hysterical and, and, and it's so much fun playing and watching. So I, I would check to check them out. All right. We'll tell our listeners, are you garbage podcast? I mean, I'm going to check that out myself. We're going to come back with more Sal Volcano right here on Inside Jokes. Hey guys, it's Sal Volcano, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Don't you change that dial. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto. My voice is getting worse by the minute. We are, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. We are talking New York stand-up. We have Sal Volcano, who is coming live to Toronto, and also The Hammer coming up. But he'll be here in Toronto at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Uh, one thing I want to get into with, with you, Sal, actually, is like, and obviously this plays into what you do on Impractical Jokers, but you also came up in improv, which is kind of funny because there's a lot of stand-ups out there who are like stand-up purists. They're always like improv. That's not a thing. That's its own separate thing. You're kind of already nodding your head. There's a lot of comics who like thumb their noses at sketch, thumb their noses at improv, refuse to, to dip into anything else. But for you, I mean, it's obviously, you know, played a big part in what you do as a stand-up on stage. It certainly plays a big part in this, in this show. I mean, how much did improv flavor what you do 
as a comic because i feel like there's a lot of comics that are sort of missing a secret ingredient there just by sort of like shunning that you know it's it's, it's completely different skill sets and muscles i mean i know comedians that don't like improv and are like oh they shit on it and stuff you know what i mean or sketch i i'm like i love everything i love comedy so growing up snl was the hugest thing for me coming yeah. up in new york city we had the upright citizens brigade i love sketch comedy i started doing improv in high school and it's just it's a great asset and a world to tap into it's really this it's two different things you know it's it's like if you're a great comedian, doesn't mean you'd be a great improviser and vice versa. You know, like stand up is a different beast on its own, but so is improv. And you could hit some comedic heights in improv that you can't, you know, in, in stand up and vice versa. I mean, when you're on stage with a bunch of people and you're you're creating something out of nothing and it's going perfectly, and you guys are communicating just by understanding, you know, what the next cue should be and everything, it's like. You know, some of the most biggest pops you'll get in doing stand-up is when you're doing crowd work because of the spontaneity of the moment. You can't recreate that. And for me, that's what improv is based on. It's 100% spontaneity. So those kind of moments that are electric come up a lot in improv. So for me, it feeds, you know, it feeds a hunger that I have, to, you know, for comedy. So I love it all. I think it's important to have a good skill set with all of them. But yeah. And I've also seen improvisers try to become comics and that's terrible too, but I just, I love it. I, I, I love it all. I love it all. I, I feel like we are going to see, I mean, you know, we've been talking to a lot of Canadian comics about that too, but I think especially after the last couple of years where comics, you know, clubs, clubs were on pause and tours were on pause and stuff like that. So a lot of comics did have to be more resourceful and go, well, you know what? I'm going to put out viral videos. Now I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to record an album and release that. So I think we're seeing a lot of comics who might've been like, I'm a stand-up purist. That's it. But they all of a sudden had to branch off into different. Sure. Now Until it's they need it. <laughs> you know, everybody exactly. Now everybody's like, nah. Actually, it's all sort of like you said. It's just it's about love and comedy. It's like these are all just different things at your disposal. You know, that's I was that's how I got found as as sketch comedy. So that's what took us to getting an uh, an agent and our first break was sketch comedy. So. For me, it's like, and, and doing that like improv was, you mentioned about like, how does it contribute to the stand-up stuff? It does because it, it you know, it, it's, it's a lesson in commitment really and, and listening. So like, those are the two biggest things in improv. So like, you got to commit to your choices and you have to commit to a bit. And if you're up there and it's dying and no one is laughing, the worst thing you could do is to stop committing. Yeah. through it as hard as you can and one of two things is going to happen and not going to fault you for it being so bad because you committed and that they appreciate that or you're going to commit so hard that you're going to dig yourself out of the hole or something like that but you just even when you it's bombing you got to commit and so that that kind of helps with like when you're first starting in stand-up you've been around that feeling before and you know to just stay the course you know what i mean but you know so that that's the thing and then listening too like you can't improvise like the biggest thing you have to do with improvising is listening. So if, if you're on stage, a lot of comics will just get up there and like, Oh, I've seen conversations. They get up there and just talk at the audience or just yeah. like you see them going through their bits. Like they're in the mirror or something like that. So like, you know, the, the secret is to make it just feel like it's new every time you're saying it. So it's like, for me, the, you know, the most, the most important thing I can do is be completely in the moment. Otherwise, I'd shoot myself in the head for because I'm sick of my jokes, right? I'm just sick of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, I'll I'll have you know 90 minutes of jokes, and I'll 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 hate every one of them. And when I get to the new five minutes, I'll feel like a new person. But um, but being in the moment is 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 good because I like I want to like you know 
engage with the audience and stuff. So like with improv, you're not just talking, you're, you're listening at all times. So there's like skills that you can, you know, take over again. This is my workshop will be on Monday nights. It's going to be 30, <laughs> $35 over zoom. Or you can go in person. It's in Hamilton. The yeah. <laughs> well, the hammer, as you call it. In, in the, hammer. the hammer. Why do you call uh, the hammer? That's what, Steel town, the hammer. Steel town. That's, Steel that's town. Uh, Pittsburgh for me. Yeah. Steelers. Yeah. I'm a Steeler fan. There you go. I think, yeah, you'll, you'll love it then for sure. I, it is so true. I mean, you, you know, be, it's all about sort of like riding that energy in the room and feeling, feeling out the audience. Like you said, there's those comics who you can tell they go up and they're just doing like this rehearsed thing as if the audience isn't even there, like as if they're doing a monologue. Right. And I mean, New York standup, especially, I mean, that's what that whole scene is built on is these small intimate clubs where it's like, you're right there face to face with the audience it's completely about those settings and it's reading the room and feeding off that energy and it, it's that's what those clubs are about i mean i feel like i feel like new york is such a diehard stand-up town it really is such a stand-up mecca it's 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 a comedy town because la is a bit of a different thing i mean obviously there's a stand-up and a sketch and an improv scene but la is like you know you're going there to make it you're going there to be seen you're going there to network and all that stuff new york is kind of a diehard stand-up town and it can be a notoriously tough scene, by the way, for you. I mean, coming up in New York, how essential were those rooms where like the audience was notoriously didn't take any shit, like rooms that were notoriously tough. How essential are those sort of workout rooms in New York? It's crazy. I mean, like there's no better place to do comedy. I think, you know, especially if you're working out, but like, you know, in, in New York, if you really wanted to, you do easily, you could do six plus spots a night, yeah. you know, and you're just hopping around even more like, you know, so to get those reps in, but New York also has, it's not just clubs, it's, it's alt spaces and rooms and theaters and bars, the back of bars. So like, yeah. You know, I'll go in and do a spot at the cellar or the stand, and then I'll go to some East Village club uh, bar, and I'll go to the downstairs in the basement or the back of that bar while the television's on and people are talking, and there's like six people there. I'll do that right after a, a, a club. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you could kill in the club and go to the bar, and I've had someone just like throw an ice cube at me. Like there's like six people, but, you know, one's asleep, and I'm doing the same exact jokes, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's, but you got to do that. It, I love that. You know what I mean? That's that's a part of it. So New York, I don't know what what place is better than that for you. I like going to L.A. and doing comedy, but you can't do as many. You know, it's like you yeah. do a couple of shows a night in front of a, you know, but it's it's just it's just not the same. You're right. It's just like this is kind of a grind in, in New York that I don't necessarily see. It's, you know, you can grind there the way you can't grind anywhere else. Is what well, and, and I mean, yeah, you, of course, do have the, the clubs that are absolute comedy meccas. But like you were saying, New York, it's kind of funny, like all those places in the village that used to be these heritage music spots, you know, all the like old folk houses and stuff like that. It's comedy now. Those are like, like you said, those alt shows, those spaces in the back of bars, those places where you can just go do these random things. Because, I mean, we see that a lot in Toronto, too. We have our clubs where comics get very comfortable and they can they can play to the same audience every Sunday night and they can kill there and that's their crowd. But you need to be able to step outside that too and take some risks and be able to work different audiences to be, to actually get into this and do this. Also, I mean, Sal, for you, for upcoming comics starting out those first few years, how important it is, is it to have a good healthy bomb once in a while? Cause I think there's, you know, comics start to get into this groove and they're like, I've just been killing set after set. Every once in a while you get that reality check where it's just like, Ooh, Go back to square one for a for a night here for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, if you're not bombing, then you're not really doing it. You know, like that's 
you should be, I mean, you know, you should be bombing often. I mean, you know, you should be trying stuff as, as much as you can. It's, it's a little harder, like, like for, for me, the people that come to know me, that's why I don't announce where I'm going to be uh, when I do shows in the city for the most part, because I just want a regular audience. I don't want my audience to come that know me from the show because it doesn't help me. It serves me in any way. Like they'll come right. and they, they laugh a little too easy. They're there for the wrong reasons, maybe sometimes. So it's like, you know, but, uh, and it's hard for me because they'll come and they'll be like, oh my God, that's the guy, you know, either they came to see me or they're like, holy cow, that's the guy from television. And then they're like, all right, so he should be the funniest person in the world. But it's like, yeah, I can give you the material that works, but I'm trying new material right now. So it's like, in my head, I'm like, hey, these people are going to have to see me bomb. And then they walk away with it. And they're like, yeah, we saw that guy, you know, on a Tuesday night, you know, at this, at, you know, at this club. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. It's like, yeah, but that's the gym. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, but it's it's weird when there is like an underlying pressure when you're, you're already known, you know, because it's like that they only want, they're like, all right, this is going to be, you know, but, so that's, that's, that's a good thing for me too, is like, you know bombing you know it's, it's just man the bombs you ever have people come on and talk about their bombs <laughs> I had all the time I all the time it. it's such oh a, my God. i mean comics you need that scar tissue because i feel like it's always those comics when you walk into a show and you're just not invested in it and you're like i got this i feel like that's when you always kind of lose float and as you were saying like if you have sort of those built-in audiences that are always a little too easy it's like slipping into a warm bath it's like uh, you yeah. gotta get out outside that sometime uh we'll have to have you back on sal and talk sure. nothing but bombs <laughs> <laughs> oh, i got so many not that I that's a so good many. calling card um but i know i mean you got tons on the go man obviously our listeners can still watch you on impractical jokers they can check out the podcast network before we let you go uh what are those dates for queen elizabeth here in toronto where can we find you online all that good stuff man Yes. So Toronto, Hamilton is October 14th. Uh, Toronto is two at the Queen Elizabeth on October 15th. Uh, I'm working toward a special. So you guys will see a bunch of stuff um, that's going to be in the special. Uh, the, the podcast network is called the No Press Network. Yeah. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and the podcasts are Taste Buds and Hey Babe. Uh, all my touring and all my socials are on my website, merch, all as a And then I start touring again. Uh, with the guys in February. So uh, just a lot, a lot coming up. Excellent. Sal Volcano, thank you so much. And our listeners, don't forget, check out the No Pressure Network on YouTube, but also catch Sal live in Hamilton and Toronto at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre coming up. Thank you again to Sal. We're going to come back and we have Dan Natterman coming up with our producer, Vince Tedesco. We will be right back on Inside Jokes. Hey, it's Ola Data, a.k.a. Showtime Data, Fort McMurray's chosen child, Nigeria boy for life. You're listening to Inside Joe. Yeah, yeah. And yo, Black, it's time. Bird. Bird timing. It's time, man. I begin. Yeah. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. I'm Vince Tedesco taking over the back half of this episode and sticking with the New York theme of things. Um, I have on a guest that I've always been a fan of, and I've kind of always wanted him on the show. Uh, native New Yorker. Uh, cutting his teeth, been in the game for a while, and a regular at one of the most iconic comedy clubs in Manhattan, the Comedy Cellar. Please welcome to the airwaves, Dan Natterman. Dan, how are we doing? Fine, how are you? Not quite a native New Yorker. I'm actually from Connecticut originally. Okay, well, it's but, in the, uh, the But era, I've been in New York, you know, a long time. So if you want to say native New Yorker, well, that's, uh, I guess I qualify after almost 30 years here. 
30 years. And how many, like, for those who don't know you, because I mean, obviously I'm a fan of your stand-up. I followed your career. You've gone through every sort of medium possible. I obviously remember you as one of like, you know, the comics that would appear on Letterman or, or I mean, you had a stint on, on America's Got Talent for those of you who have a, somewhat of a, of a recent memory not too long ago. But how many years now have you been in the, the comedy game for those who don't know you? About 29 years now. 30 years since I've moved to New York, about 29 since I've been doing stand-up. And how are you finding it through all, I'm going to say it, but all the crap, all the shit that's been kind of been going on within comedy over the years, how have you been kind of uh, rolling with the punches, as they say? Well, I mean, you got to adjust, you know. Nowadays, everything is about, you know, uh, Instagram and TikTok, and I've started to, you know, try to make uh, inroads there as best I can. But I mean, you know, there's always, everything changes. When I started, you know, everybody was trying to get that sitcom deal back in the 90s. You know, that was the thing. If I had five minutes, I could go to the Montreal Comedy Festival and get a sitcom deal. That was sort of the thing back then. Uh, then reality shows started coming in and now and now it's streaming and social media. So there's always, there's always uh, things to adjust to and, and uh, changes, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a totally different scene now than it was then. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to kind of start off this, this sort of interview with. I mean, as 30 years in New York, um, it's the Mecca of stand-up comedy. And we've discussed this on our show before that LA is sort of the glitz and glam and the Hollywood fairy tale of, uh, if you have a dream, you know, we can make it happen, you know, chasing uh, anything you can but new york is is got that grit it's got that that sense of rawness to it where especially for a stand-up comic you kind of want to be there to cut your teeth into it so for 30 years in, in comedy in new york um is it the best place for stand-up comedy do you develop the thickest skin well you know i I've, I've only known new york in terms of uh you know i mean i've done comedy in la but not too often and and in around the country, but between New York and LA, which I guess are the, you know, um, people tell me, you know, people from LA tell me they love to come here. They love, this is the place. Like I said, I never lived in LA. I've spent time there a little bit here and there, but um, LA, you know, they tell me uh, people, you know, trying to get on TV, whereas New York is comics doing comedy. And and, and that's what's what's, um, important here. So the LA people tell me, yeah, this is the place. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, how, how would you define it? How, how would you define the New York comedy scene? Well, I, I mean, I think, like I said, like these are people in New York really want to be comics less than they want to necessarily be on TV or, you know, or, or, or uh, uh, in a sitcom or films and stuff like that. Uh, New York comics, they're, they're number one priority is being the best comics that they can be. So, I mean, that's how I would characterize the scene here. And uh, even people like Chris Rock, who has done movies and all that stuff, to them, stand-up is still their number one love and number one priority. And they come to New York uh, when they want to work stuff out and, you know, develop their new special or the new hour or whatever it is. So, so that's how I would characterize it as people that prioritize stand-up as opposed to prioritizing film and TV. Now, for me, obviously, when, in following your career, I always kind of label you as sort of an OG, like one of the original sort of stand-up comics that have kind of stick true to the art form. Um, 
but in the new ages as we touched of social media and TikTok and everything like that, uh, your experience with America's Got Talent and, and how are you finding this transition? Is it is it becoming a nuisance to kind of keep up with everything? Because as soon as somebody gets to know one app or one configuration of how things work, a you new know, one you know, that's, that's true. I mean, it was a time it was MySpace was a big, you know, and Dane Cook made his kind of got famous from MySpace and then MySpace just sort of collapsed. Yeah. And um and Facebook. Yeah, it was Facebook, but I don't know of any comics that got famous from Facebook. And maybe it happened, but Dan Cook is well known for having gotten famous from MySpace. Then Facebook came along, and I don't think any comics became famous from Facebook. Then Twitter came along, and, and um, I forgot the guy's name. How am I? I'm blanking on his name, but the guy that really became well known from Twitter. Yeah, um, well, there's a few of them, but I can't remember which one you're pinpointing. Um, well, I could I could Google around and find it if it is. Whatever, but then, then comes Instagram and now we're on TikTok. And then, you know, Twitter became saturated and then Instagram and TikTok. There was Vine. Um, oh, yeah, Vine. But I don't think that lasted very long, you know, so. It lasted I, about as long as a video lasted, six yeah, seconds. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, look, uh, you know, TikTok could vanish. And, uh, you know, I think I think TikTok's going to be around for a while. I think Instagram has been around for a while and, and probably will be, but. You just don't know what's coming around and uh, everybody scram. you know, as soon as one person gets famous or has luck with something, everybody does that, you know? Yeah. And, and you, YouTube specials have become a thing. And, you know, Mark Norman and, and Sam Morrill did well with that. So everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to make a YouTube special, you know? So I don't know. Um, people are kind of chasing whatever the, the new thing is, but, um, I think the best thing is probably to, to, to get in on the ground floor of, of the next thing, whatever that will be. But I don't know what, what that what that will be. But those have all come and gone. And the one thing that still remains the same is the stage and the mic. And yeah. where you cut your teeth. Well, um, the main thing is to, is, is to um, develop artistically, but then you're trying to market yourself. And to do that, that that's what changes. Yeah. Everyone's waiting for that viral clip. Have you had anything come close? No, not no. I haven't really. <laughs> no, I haven't had amazing luck on uh, TikTok or Instagram as, as of now. And then there's podcasting, of course. And and I, I was sort of an earlier an earlier an early adopter of that. I've been doing that for a long time. Well, hey, well, I, I've always been a fan. I've always kind of loved kind of your uh achievements throughout comedy and and the whole industry but uh i want to i want you to stick around more with dan adam and when we come back i want to dive into more of kind of how the whole america's got talent and getting on letterman and that had a kind of at all affected your career and more importantly where you see it all going what 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 the industry of comedy looks like more with dan Natterman after the break this is inside joke 640 toronto It's Dan Natterman. You're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. I'm Vince Tedesco. With me from New York City via Connecticut, as I found out. I'm not a native New Yorker, but has been cutting his teeth and hitting the pavement there for the last 30 years. Dan Natterman. Dan, um, we've touched on a bit of the whole evolution of comedy through social media. I remember you obviously from late night and the experiences with Letterman and, and you did Conan. Are those 
days long and gone now. I mean, that used to be a thing. You, you, well, well, I mean, they're still around. There's still talk shows. There's still Fallon and still has comics on and, um, you know, those guys and the Colbert and all that. But uh, it doesn't have the significance it once had. You no. know, well, in the 90s, you could get on The Tonight Show and be famous, you know, or in the 80s anyway, and be before I even started, and you'd be famous from those talk shows. But because everybody was watching Johnny Carson uh, or David Letterman. But nowadays, there's so much more to watch. People are, you know, there's, there's streaming, there's cable, there's, there's, uh, yeah. there's TikTok and Instagram, people watching videos and spending their time on social media. So there's just less people watching these shows. So yeah, you're not going to become famous from doing one uh, Tonight Show appearance. Well, people have become famous on the Joe Rogan experience. I mean, hey, there's some- Yeah, that's right, there's podcasts. So there, there's other ways that people get known, but generally speaking, not from those late night talk shows. It's something to do, and it's certainly not a bad thing. And, you know, you'll you'll get some attention, but not the way it used to be. So yeah, those, are the days gone? Uh, they're going, they're, they're not gone, but you know, uh, it's it's not what it was. Yeah, as a, as a working comic in New York, I mean, your your home club is the cellar. Do you you tend to see a lot of comics and hit the stage and kind of see how their progression is going and 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 what's happening with that? Do you, do you find that there's a lot of fads in comedy? Like that there was a cultural point. Uh, a lot of cultural comics were breaking out. Sebastian's one of them. Joe Joe um, Joe Coy and um, Ronnie Chang. I mean, everyone's kind of not using it as a crutch, but you know hinging towards their culture to kind of make it. And then there's obviously the stuff on social media and, and that whole brand of comedy and content creators. But from a true standup, I mean, the right. hey, did you ever notice the observational comics? Yeah, um, I guess there's comics that are, you know, that that um, that are trying to tackle all the cultural division we have here in the United States that are trying oh, to be that too. relevant in terms of um, taking on you know, well, you know, we saw I Chappelle did a lot with, you know, the transgender revolution, if you will. So th there's people that are trying to be controversial, I guess. You know what I've seen less of? I've seen less of the characters than 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 I saw, you know, like like Dice Clay and and um, <clears throat> um, uh, Bob Nelson was one of them, too. Who was Bob Nelson? I don't know if you ever Nelson, Kinnis yeah. with his screaming. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, uh, Roddy Dangerfield with his, you know, no respect guy. I, 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 I don't think I'm seeing quite as much of that stuff going on these days. Well, I think that is all still reluctantly on social media. I mean, those are the ones that, those are the people that never leave the house. They feel comfortable in their room, dressing up or creating. The Maybe that's where it is. But in the stand-up world, I, I'm not seeing that kind of thing as much as I used to. Um, you know, actually, it just, I mean, you bring up, it's not really a fad, but I was just talking to Ophira Eisenberg last night who works at the comedy. So I said, you know, I'm noticing a lot of therapy jokes that I never saw before. I'm just, it seems like everybody's got a joke about being in therapy here in New York anyway. And I, I never used to see that. And so I just remarked to her that that's interesting. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of therapy jokes that I never used to hear. I would hardly call that a trend, but it's something <laughs> that I noticed um, that I had not noticed in the past. Now, in relation to your comedy, I mean, and, and your stand-up and, and your sort of evolution, how good is it to get on stage and have one of those healthy bombs, like just to eat it on stage? How good is it to a comic? Well, I don't know. I, I never perceived it as a, necessarily a good thing. I mean, I will say that sometimes when you're killing too hard, you're like, well, this this, this, this I'm not growing here because I could say anything and they're laughing. So that's not good. Right. Um, when like literally anything out of your mouth is getting a huge laugh, it's satisfying. 
but it doesn't help you grow. But I don't think bombing helps you grow either necessarily. Um, so I don't know that, it, well, maybe, maybe some people find it cathartic or, or, or beneficial. Uh, I don't. But you know, I like an audience to be discerning, though, to not laugh at everything and to make me, you know, have to work for it and, and, and demand that I give them something interesting and well-written, um, you know, rather than just laughing at anything and everything. When, when you're working out material and kind of when you're hitting the cellar on the off nights and, and trying to kind of, uh, you know, work out some new, new material, new bits, how, how important is it to kind of have that energy in the room that is kind of respecting the art form? Well, I mean, working at a new material, that's a whole, you know, thing. I got to be comfortable. And I, I and, and at the comedy cellar, I always feel pressure. So I prefer to work stuff out elsewhere if I can in, in venues that are, are less pressure filled. Um, yeah. You know, but you want to have the right audience to work. You don't want to have an audience that's just dead. So, you know, um, you, you throw out your jokes first that that are kind of, you know, work and, and see how they respond to those. And, you know, if they're not even responding to those, then now's not the night to do a new joke. Gotcha. 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 Well, I hear, I listen, you, we've mentioned off air before that the cellar brings in a lot of Canadians and you got a lot of people from Toronto that come down here. Uh, it is your home club. So if you ever are in the New York area, head down to the comedy cellar, check out Dan Natterman, uh, he's one of the best. I love you. Uh, I love your stuff. I love your material. One of the best jokes ever was how Star Trek was bullshit because Spock would have always said, I'll Google the coordinates and you're like, well, you know, you know that it was all made up because if it's supposed to be in the future, why aren't they Googling anything? Uh, one of my favorite jokes from Dan Nanneman. Dan, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And uh, when I'm in New York, we'll check you out at the cellar, buddy. Okay, see you there. Have a good day. Perfect. Thanks. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx is Sal Volcano. Enjoy. I got a package delivered to my house. It was addressed to Stacey Wu. I don't know Stacey Wu. Never heard of her. Never met her. So I figure, okay, it's a mistake. I'll toss it to the side. I'll deal with it later. Weekend comes. I take a weed out of bowl. Later that night, I'm chilling. I'm like, all right, let me open up this package. See if there's a contact info for this Stacey. See if I can let her know that I have her stuff. So I open up the package. Sure enough. Her address is in there, her email address. And it is a pair of pants, women's size six sateen dress pants, black from Ann Taylor Loft. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get Stacey her pants back. So I open up my email and I uh, type her email address in. I write right in the subject, I have your pants. <laughs> and I'm about to tell her, you know, just drop me a line, I'll give, get them to you, you know? But then I thought, wouldn't it be great if I wrote her a ransom note for them? <laughs> so weed edible. That's what happens. So I get out my entertainment weeklies and I just start chopping away. Five hours. For five hours, I cut letters out of years worth of entertainment weekly magazines. It was a work of art. And I taped it to the pages and I scanned it into the email. And I'm about to hit send and I'm like, this is not how ransom notes work. I have to send her a picture of the pants, prove I got them. And then I thought, ah, oh, wouldn't it be great if I was in them? <laughs> 